This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, my guests in this episode, well, I'm not quite sure where to start. Let's start from uh, more recent times. In uh, 2019, he was awarded uh, the West Australian of the Year honour. But prior to that, uh, so many things. He spent more than two decades uh, serving in the military, including a large chunk of that uh, within the elite SAS regiment, having served in conflicts in East Timor, Iraq in, and Afghanistan, uh, along the way earning him a Distinguished Service Medal and also a Distinguished Service Cross. Uh, after life in the military, uh, he then ventured into the corporate world uh, in, in the financial sector uh, and has held many uh, incredible roles throughout his time there. He's also served on the board of the West Coast Eagles, including a stint as uh, Deputy Chair uh, he's an ambassador for the Fathering Project. Uh, the list goes on. We'll get through as much of it as we can over the course of the next hour or so. But let's say hello and welcome uh, to James McMahon. Hello, James. How are you? Good day, Tim. I'm, uh, I'm great, and it's really, really good to be here. Um, and I know before the show it was good to get to meet you and understand where you're from. And, uh, and uh, it's a reminder to me of how small Perth is. It really is, isn't it? Very, very small. Having said that... Uh, it's a significant honour, isn't it, to be named the, the West Australian of the Year. Of course, we didn't have uh, the usual ceremony in 2020 for COVID reasons. Uh, but go back to 2019. Uh, tell us about that day, that night, when you became our West Australian of the Year. Well, Tim, that that could take some time. But I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll be as brief as I can. I look, first of all, uh, given uh, the quality of all the people that were nominated and all the finalists, and they should be regarded as finalists because they're just in their fields. They are a group of of outstanding individuals that really contribute to uh, to Western Australia. To be selected is a is a great honour, um, and you do get very humbled um, by that, uh, given that quality. So, so you know that's most probably the first thing about that particular evening. I suppose on the more humorous side, I went there as a finalist. I mean, someone took took time out to nominate me, uh, which I was really pleased about. But mm. but you know, sometimes you you just want to get on with things. And but the fact is, someone took time to do that, and I thought, you know what, it's an opportunity. Do you know who that person was? I do, and yeah. that will remain nameless. Because okay. uh, you were in the community sector uh, initially. The, the community award was the one that you initially won. A- absolutely, and then yeah. you win that, and then you get you go into the yeah. into the judging for then um, for, for the big the one. West Australian of the year. 
but but someone nominated me and and after that nomination uh i thought to myself well one out of respect for that person i'm happy to go forward and be a finalist but the second reason is actually it's an opportunity to promote the things you're involved in and the majority of things I'm, i'm involved in are about people supporting other people um serving their country uh serving their state and and that uh that's important. And I think also the awards themselves, I mean, West Australian of the Year, that's great, but it does kick off the Celebrate WA mm. uh, weekend. And, and look, I, I've got to take my hat off to the Celebrate WA, uh, uh, you know, the chair right through to all the people involved with that and, and how it's evolved over the years because... Uh, you know, Western Australia, and we've seen that over this last couple of years, but it's not just the last couple of the years. I mean, we're entrepreneurial, we help each other, we have a go, we have setbacks, but we, we continue to have a go. Uh, we're quite unique here in my view. Um, we serve each other uh, and I think we're, we're progressive and, and we should celebrate that. I mean, that is worth celebrating great time to reflect mm. on things we could have done better great time to reflect on things we've done well but i think overall i mean if you look at it on a world perspective uh we're doing pretty well doing okay um you know i wouldn't mind the eagles being a bit higher on the ladder <laughs> but besides that uh <laughs> besides that it, you know things are good and i'll only say uh, it's interesting and a bit more on the humorous side some people have said to me uh, you know, I've been West Australian of the Year for two years. It's normally one year, but like a lot of things... I Silver linings to like, every yeah, cloud. There is, there is. But some would say I, you know, I take a little bit more time to get <laughs> used to the role and I had to grow into it. So the extra year helped. But no, 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 I, uh, you can't help but be pr- proud living in this state. And uh, what I said on that night uh, still holds true today and, and because I can remember my speech because I... So you did have something prepared? Just no, I didn't. No? I, I absolutely didn't, and my daughters will attest to this, as will my wife. I went there <laughs> going, who wouldn't want to go to this? I've been nominated. Let's enjoy the evening. Outstanding. Roll up. and I mean, it's just fabulous. And actually to go to the, the event itself, and it showcases – they have a very good audio-visual that showcases all that's going on in mm. WA. To listen to the finalists, you know, all the – the video clips of the finalists and what they do. It's really quite an inspiring evening. But I went there, I said, I'm not preparing, I haven't prepared a speech because I've looked at the finalists and I'm mm. unlikely to be up on stage. Lo and behold, the first time I win the community award and then then the West Australia of the Year. But, uh, you know, like most things, uh, I think speaking from the heart is authentic. And uh, so that's what I did. I had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the key... The key really, one of the key points I made uh, was about when we when we reflect, let's just remember all the people that serve in their community, all the people that make a difference and never get recognised through their whole life. And, you know, I think we should toast those people. They're out there today. They're doing it today. They're up early. They're going to bed late at night. They sort of don't want recognition, those people. And, and but they do it anyway. They do it. And, yep, they're incredible. Uh, my view, that whole piece, I'll use this term, it's a military term, it's actually the centre of gravity of our, of our state. We've got beautiful physical things, 
But actually that spirit, that Western Australian spirit, it is, it is our centre of gravity. When the chips are down or even when they're not, we're out, help, out helping people. Mm. We're pushing the envelope and, we're, and we're, we're good, innovative, entrepreneurial people. And I think, you know, I, uh, when I left the military, I made a decision to come back to WA for that reason, a great place to raise my children um, and, you know, an, an opportunity to live in this state that is, um, that is, in my view, continuing to go places. Can we go right back to the early days of your life, James? What right. maybe set you on a path? Right, I'm pulling out that the... CD now. It's, uh, it's taking a while to load there, Tim. Uh, <laughs> I know, we've got a lot to get through uh, over the next little while. But let's go back to you, uh, teenage James McMahon. Uh, you're at Aquinas College. Um, I won't say anything about that, given that... <laughs> yeah, you went to Trinity, I came Tim. out of Come a rival on. school, but let's leave that to one side for, for the moment. Um, what was life like for you as, as a teenager going to to Aquinas? Yeah, look, uh, from a, a schooling perspective, uh, life was great. Uh, you know, the thing is that Aquinas taught me, and I don't think this is just about Aquinas, is um, obviously I was a bit more sport-orientated. Uh, I enjoyed schoolwork, uh, but I most probably took a while to pick up things, to be fair. Um, but that's okay. Uh, I learnt the value of hard work, that if you actually study things and and if you don't get it once, we'll go and ask and ask for advice mm. and people can help you. It took me a while to learn that, but I got there eventually. Um, but on the sporting side, what really got me, I learnt, I didn't realise it then, but I learnt a lot about culture. Mm-hmm. I learnt a lot about teamwork. Uh, I learnt a lot about the concept of in a team, one plus one equals three. That actually if we work together as a team, we can achieve far greater than the equal parts. And that was evident in the uh, in the first 18 footy where we clearly beat Trinity. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny if you look at, on your uh, on the Aquinas website and you see your profile of all the things it mentions there, and you know some of them I've mentioned already. All the uh, the amazing military honours. <laughs> the very first thing that they mention is that you're a prefect and that you won the Alco Cup in the footy and the Slazenger Cup in the tennis. So that just goes to show you how seriously. <laughs> They take their sport. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it's that concept of uh, I just enjoyed the uh, – and I, I, I tell you an interesting story. I'm very happy to say this and I can say it publicly and if you can't do it now, when can you do it? <laughs> um, I remember I was reserved for the 800 metres and my body shape – I'm not an 800 metre runner. I mean, come on. You know, like <laughs> brick maybe, shop <laughs> that's okay. But the interesting thing is Aquinas said, no, we can train you to do that. And I learnt from a coach down there. His name is uh, Mr Doney. Uh, Tony Doney is his name. He wouldn't mind me saying this. But what I learnt about him is when he coached us, he said, no, we can can make you into a long-distance runner. And I got reasonable times. I was reserve. I never made the team. There's a story to this. But what was good is he would train with us. And I learnt about that, that leadership concept of, you lead by example right mm. from those early days. But the other thing I learned is, uh, and he used to have a saying, doesn't matter where you come as long as you beat the person next to you. <laughs> I think Simple. that was an Aquinas yeah. thing, but anyway. <laughs> Fine. But mm. um, no, I learned out of that. Um, and and I suppose the other side of schooling and my time, at, it was quite a confusing time in my life and I'm happy to talk about this. You know, I, I lost my eldest brother when I was at school 
Uh, I had uh, a couple of issues in our in our family life. It was actually quite a confusing time for me. Uh, if I looked at it in the cold hard light of day, mm. uh, and I learnt, uh, and I did cadets at school, um, but I had enough in me to go. I needed some routine around me, which led me to join the army as a soldier. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, when I went to the recruiters, they said I was never officer material. But is that uh, right? I ended well, up. You showed I them. ended up commanding <laughs> the, uh, the SAS, so I, I, I did okay there. But but I joined as a soldier, you know, to get framework. But I say this in a in a funny way. I mean, there's a little there's, bit there's of seeking structure and routine, and then there's stepping into something like the SAS, yeah, which I know you don't do straight away. But no, and I didn't. I, I was a soldier for a number of years and, yeah. and then became an officer, attended uh, New Zealand officer school as an Australian, mm-hmm. um, came back to the parachute regiment and then I did selection then and, and was lucky enough to get in. But but the interesting thing about that is, yeah, I joined for framework, but uh, I also joined so I could see Sydney. I didn't realise I ended up in Kapuka, which really wasn't Sydney. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a great adventure and um, it reminded me also uh, in my platoon, worth mentioning, that, um, you know, there's always someone better off and there's always someone worse off. And that group of fellows back then, a great group of young mm. Australian men, most of us went to Infantry Corps and, um, and the rest is history then. We'll get into that more right sure. after the break because that's a, a big part of your life, 20-plus years yep. uh, in the military. As I mentioned, in, that includes uh, stints in East Timor, Iraq uh, and Afghanistan and other places as well, but mainly those three. Let's get into that right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. James McMahon is our special guest. We'll be back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Our special guest uh, is the 2019 Western Australian of the Year. Uh, in a few days from now, we'll learn who the next Western Australian of the Year is. But uh, we're in the final days of the uh, stint uh, as West Australian of the Year for James McMahon. James, uh, post-schooling, you mentioned it, it just seemed a natural progression to go from there into the military. Did you... Go in there thinking, well, let's get in there first, but my ambition is to join an elite squad like the SAS or were you kind of open to wherever it was going to take you? Yeah, thanks, Tim. No, I, I joined was joining purely for three years. Yep. Uh, and then... And, the- and so what was going on in the world at that time? Was there, where is it, were there things going on overseas that you thought, I want to serve no. my country as part of a bigger picture? Or, no, 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 no. I, I, I did get the... The big one for me was... Uh, it, look, to be really fair, uh, like I said, without there was the element of doing something with framework and meaning. Mm. Uh, I was I eventually joined infantry, so I was prepared to serve anywhere. I liked the fact of being part of a team. I think that came out of schooling for me. I liked framework. To be fair, I liked the fact that I'd I'd got on a on a plane and gone to the east coast. Uh, I know that sounds and and the fact is. You know, I think I got some huge salary. I think it was about uh, $4,500 for the year. Whoa. But I liked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that was, I had my little CBA uh, box account from the Royal Show. <laughs> no, but I liked And the fact is, is uh, you know, I, I think for me there was a physical aspect to it, but I liked the thinking aspect, that competitive aspect about it as well. And as my, uh, uh, you know, time in the military went on, you know, 
I, I wasn't thinking about direct operations at that point because mm. I think at that time there wasn't a lot going on. But uh, teamwork, routine, framework, serving my country made all sense to me. But three years, just a, a time also at a personal mm. level, given I'd already said I'd had a few, uh, you know, it was a pretty confusing time with a couple of issues, particularly losing my brother. It was a time for me to to maybe settle down mm. into that routine and then move on to something yep. else. But but that didn't happen. Do you get headhunted once you're within the military setup? Do you get headhunted for the oh, SAS or do you have to put your hand up for it? How does no, that work? you have to put your hand up for it and, and be – and look, I had people encouraging around me to do that. But once I got into infantry, once I went to the parachute battalion, so I was jumping out of planes, mm. you know, uh, you know, it was most probably a natural step to go because that's that pursuit of excellence. Mm. Um, and look, the military is great. It, 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 everyone has a specialist skill. And I just thought it, it was the next extension of infantry. In saying that, you know, infantiers are incredibly professional, but it's that challenge of the first challenge is getting through selection. Then it's actually passing your courses to get what they call beret qualified. And then it's actually performing on the job. And so I think that pursuit of excellence, uh, I'm a very task-oriented person, um, much to my, you know, my wife will tell you a few things about that. But, that's, uh, but that task and, and achieving things, I think, was in my mind. So it's most probably, for me as a person, a natural extension to go there. And, and if I got in, I got in. If I didn't, I'd be happy to continue to serve elsewhere. So... You know, I did on my first attempt, I, I got in. Uh, I went there relatively junior in terms of time in an infantry organisation, but that was great. It, 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 it was, I mean, the selection course, I mean, it pushes you to your limits in, in a mental way. I mean, the physical, they use the physical to push that mental. Decision-making under pressure, how you cope with other people when you're under pressure, uh, resilience mm -hmm. uh, and it's not so much about doing it harder just stepping back and go is there a different way to do it to get to the same aim mm. so you know teamwork decision making uh resilience i mean they're all things that you know you'd want of any employee uh, absolutely just a bit more extreme <laughs> maybe but <laughs> well i was gonna say that you know i, I think people have uh, this idea of, of what it must be like in the in the sas but yeah. We can't possibly know um, because we haven't lived it. But also there is there is a degree of secrecy around it. We're not supposed to know everything that goes on there. And that's, you know, for, for very valid reasons. But um, in terms of developing those skills of, of resilience and, and toughness and being innovative and all that sort of stuff, I mean, you've taken it to an extreme level. I mean, does it take a certain kind of person to flourish in that environment, which you obviously did because you became commander of the SAS, but... It's not for everyone, is it? You've got to have certain attributes, don't you, to be the sort of individual who's going to really blossom in that environment. I, I, I think that's right. And, you know, this is this, uh, you know, nature versus nurture. I, I, I think there's some intrinsic capabilities you need. But yeah. I also think... And for you, what were they, do you think? What, what was it oh, that look, allowed you to, to become commander of, of the SAS? Uh, well, I, I you know, I... Look, it's always that interesting thing when you're talking about yourself, but I'm most probably a fairly resilient person. Yeah. Um, but I think that's been 
born out of, you know, obviously part of that is is from my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dad's uh, a Fremantle, Fremantle lad, mum's from Midland. You know, obviously not a Docker supporter though. Uh, well, actually, he is. He he's is. a big wow. Docker supporter. Uh, every time I take him to an Eagles function, he's wearing his Eagles tie, but he's got purple socks on. I mean, really. <laughs> he drops his fork and I look down and I go, Dad, you've got your purple socks on again. Get out. <laughs> no, I don't say that. <laughs> he says to me, I love you, son, but you can't take the Dockers out. You've all got your flaws, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, we have great rivalry. Yeah. We love it. I love both sides, you know, so... Mm. But I think, uh, you know, back on it, there's that resilience aspect. I think over time, the ability to develop a workable decision under pressure is most probably something that, you know, uh, it develops, but it's, it's, a, it's a bit of your own, um, you know, where you come from. Mm. Um, and I suppose getting on with people, uh, you know, that can be developed as well. So they're most probably the three things. But look, it's, it's not for everyone, but, but in saying that, all of those attributes can be developed, but it's a. But I do think you've. It, it, part of it's in you already, mm. and I think mm. then you. You know, I mean, you're still. De- I'm still developing those attributes today. Yeah. Um, so, but there no. De- that would be different, to, and there's that motivation to do it. But I think most of that motivation comes from. It's the professional excellence aspect, but it's also. You know, it's a meaningful role. You're serving this great country. Yeah. Uh, no different to police and no different to a whole lot of people in, in Australia. It's good to sit back in a reflective way and actually find that meaningfulness because, you know, getting out of bed every morning is pretty easy, you know, uh, and serving this country is, 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 you know, is all the motivation mm. I need. Which you've done in some pretty hostile environments, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan uh, particularly. Um, When you are in that world and there is a a level of secrecy about it and you you are in such an extreme environment, what's it like having to hold on to all of that, not being able to come home as most people do after a tough day at work and just be able to sit there and, you know, have a whinge to someone, just... Just vent, just debrief. When you when you are in an environment where you you know you can't share like I don't want to say a normal person can, but you know what I mean in a more regular yeah, uh, job, I, having to having to hold on to all of that. Does it well? Is I, it a burden to you at all? You know, we've got to realise that. You know, when you are um, are in the, on those operations, what you're doing at some level isn't normal, and it's important to put context around that. And have all the mechanisms to deal with that. But I think a couple of key things, just in a broad sense, mm. um, is it a burden? Um, the responsibility uh, for people's lives, for everyone, is a burden. And that's no different to work health and safety back here in Australia and working on a construction site right through to, to out in the field. Is, you know, uh, at the end of the day, um, uh, that is a burden. I think in my mind, and this is a bit more... Well, it's not philosophical. It's very real for me. I just go to the greater good. Are we here for the right reasons? Are we doing it for the right reasons? And and that's important because it is our role and our job. Mm. Uh, and our role and our job, particularly in, well, right through from Timor, Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, you know, at, at one level, it is about Australia's national interests and it, and it is about helping people on the ground. It's about removing clear and present dangers I mean, they're all for the good of our country, 
our society and our local communities. Uh, and, you know, that's no different to, uh, to a policeman. It's no different to a nurse on the front line with COVID. Um, those things, they're all for the right reason. And I think that's what allows you to cope with that, yeah. that stress. The other thing is, it's a generic term, and I'll say this, but it's mateship. Yeah. I mean, you've got people around you that are some of the best people I've ever, ever, I've got goosebumps now because it reminds me of just how good people can be under 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 pressure, mm. and uh, you know that. So so the thing that alleviates that burden, if you like, that's the word we use, is doing it for the right reasons, serving your country, but you've just got some terrific people around you, and yep. you're in it together, and and at some level it is what it is, and you've got to deal with it. Mm. Um, but um, you know, uh, that's no different to to other organisations. Uh, you know, police, uh, healthcare workers. You know, it's 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 all the same. It's I mean, yep. I've seen that. I've been well. I shouldn't say, but between floods and and fire, and COVID. I mean, I think we've seen that. You know, the 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 worst of what nature can throw up to us, um, if you put it into that broad perspective. But, you know, Australian firefighters, volunteer firefighters, even non-volunteer firefighters, I mean, what's the difference between a bit of lead coming at you and a fireball coming at you? The answer isn't. And ultimately it's about you're out there serving your community and actually the person alongside you. And what do you really want to do? What do you really want to do? Get home to see your family. Survive. Yeah. So I've painted that context to a couple of people in the who have volunteer firefighters and it, it, I think at some level it's helped. You know, we're all in this together. Um, you know, how, how our village turns out is up to us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms of your own personal village, though, I mean, a- after two decades plus in the military, you've been awarded the Distinguished Service Medal, the Distinguished Service Cross. How did you know it was time to put an end to that chapter and move on to something else, which was around about 2007. Well, this is, this yeah? is a really easy question. Okay. But let me explain about those those medals. Um, those medals, quite frankly, as the commander, are really for what everyone around me did. Um, I'm very happy to receive them, but, but I, I, you know, they were earned because of the incredibly good people that surrounded me, uh, both in my command time and on operations and in training, to be, mm-hmm. to be frank. Uh, you know, in the unit, and we forget this, has been awarded a number of meritorious citations and gallantry citations, I, and I say the SAS, and that shouldn't be underestimated because they've done some incredibly good work over many, many years. Um, how did I know it's time? Uh, that's a really good question, and I felt at commanding officer time I'd been given as good as I'd got, but actually... I got a lot more out of the military than I could ever repay. And people will be sitting there listening going, okay, that's a pretty stressful <laughs> occupation. It is, it is, but but that notion of service and what you get out of there and, and doing things for your country is really quite powerful. I learnt a lot. I was tested. I had really good people around me. I mean, the people that I really need to thank, quite frankly, are the people around me, but the biggest people I need to thank are my family. Yeah. I mean, my wife and my children, um, immense. My, my wife, anyone that knows her, she is a, a pillar of strength at any level. Um, she was, she's been with me the whole way. And to be really frank, um, the reason 
I moved on at that level after CO uh, was really because of my family and my children. Was there a, a moment on a family holiday in Rottnest that was sort of the, the clincher for you? Well, you're well received. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might have come across that at some point, uh, James. Look, look, it wasn't really. Was that, that the, was that like a final straw for you? No, not really. I, I, I most Just a light bulb, had a light bulb place, moment, but it was a bit of a yeah. light bulb moment, and yeah. that was yeah, it was interesting. I was with my yeah. mates and enjoyed. I think it was the only holiday I'd had for quite some time, a number of years, and. Uh, I think I was a day two into it. This sort of boat turned up at the jetty, and everyone goes, "Is James going?" <laughs> and off I zoomed off on this very, very sleek boat yeah. back to uh, another operation. And look, I don't want to be dramatic about it because, but I'm speaking on behalf of military people. But I just want to give you a sense of what happens. I'd come back from I think about a three or four or five month operation. I said, "Don't wait, the kids." Kath, because um, I'll see him in the morning. I'd, over that night, I was redeployed mm. and didn't see him again for another number of, that, another yeah. period of time. But actually, the giving as good as I got was important to me. It was also a bit of a better plan with my wife. The day I left, I had good friends, my best man, say to me, I can see the stress drain from Kath's face. And... You know, we've got to remember that with all those families out there that mm. support people that serve, police, healthcare, da 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 It's not just the person at the front. It's all that, those families, they deserve, they deserve all the medals, quite frankly. They deserve Because when you're too. on the job, Absolutely. you're on the job. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's, I left because of family and I think in life you've got to make those decisions and I haven't regretted it but I still love serving. Let's uh, take another break, James. After that, we'll ask you how you managed to transition from that world uh, into the corporate world. Uh, on paper, at least, it seems a pretty seamless transition, but maybe you could shed some more light on that. This is Inspiring Stories. James McMahon is our special guest. Back with more soon. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is James McMahon. James, uh, after a long, distinguished career in the military, you decide, family reasons, uh, I've got to make a change. You enter the corporate world. If you read your profile online somewhere, it seems like you finished one, you started the other. It was all a pretty seamless transition. Is that how it was for you or was, was yeah, there a bit I more turbulence it was. I, I, I suppose it was and I did mention previously I'm quite a task orientated person yeah. so uh, look I studied for that first year out the Eagles uh, if you remember back I think it was 07 they asked me to come in and help with a bit of review in some of the cultural stuff that was going on uh, got involved there. Someone also asked me, uh, in fact, I could tell you it was Mark Barnabar if I'd like to also, you know, join uh, Azua Capital. Uh, I was finishing my MBA off. And I suppose, uh, you know, I, I was still uh, technically, I was on leave, but I'd realised those opportunities were presented. And I think, you know, at some point you've got to go, if the door's open, you go through it. Mm. And so I went through it. I really enjoyed my work at the Eagles, uh, really enjoyed working. Uh, I started out as the Chief Operating Officer at Azua Capital and then, you know, uh, with an, then we built a number of divisions and I went in 
to the management consulting area there over the next number of years, which led me into corrective services, which was which was great. Which seems like, a, as a progression, a, a curious thing because you've sort of gone into this corporate world, you know, yeah. getting your feet under the table there quite nicely. Yeah, very nicely. Uh, board <laughs> positions. And then you want to go back into a into a prison environment? Yeah, well, it's, it's corrective services. <laughs> Sorry, corrective not, not, services. Not but <laughs> you know, for, and that's for all the right reasons. Yeah, yeah, look, and I think it goes back to something that I've realised is part of my life. Um, in fact, I was having a chat with someone <laughs> recently about this. Uh, you know, it's that service dynamic. And, yeah. and I, uh, rightly or wrongly, uh, thought that I could um, make a difference in that area. I, I think I'd written a paper on it as a consultant or so I had something that I was writing some papers on. And, uh, and I really, that service bit really got me. And I, mm. I got to say, uh, no different to when I'd spoken previously about serving your country and community. I mean, corrective services people, prison officers, they do an incredibly good job. And I've said this previously, quite frankly, they never get thanked and, and they should be thanked because uh, they really are, changing people's lives mm. and it, it never gets looked at that um, uh, mistakes are made every now and then and that's part of the cohort but you've got a risk to get that return and um, but in saying that it's complex you've got the victims that you've really got to look after you know that need to be looked after and rightly so um, but uh, but it uh, that time there and the reform package we did, uh, is something I'm very proud mm. of, and uh, and you know, from all accounts, it continues on today. When you were brought into that role, uh, it's been said. I think the the minister at the time, who was probably instrumental in your appointment, talked about it being a period of um, of corruption and rotting within the system. Um, I suppose a bit, not the same, but a little bit like when you went into the Eagles. There was a cultural problem there. You've gone into another area of the community that had a seemingly had a cultural issue um, this seems to be a bit of a pattern for you James you seem to go in there to, to reset a culture well there might be a little theme here about I think uh, so you know I like to take a challenge on yeah uh, but d were you uh, were you abundantly aware of those challenges when you went into the look, services I, look, role? I, look I I was but it's a bit like the Eagles as well uh, it's never as bad as you think and it's never as good as you think mm. and I think the majority of people in both organizations were very much moving the right way. It's just about bringing that out and putting some structures in place that allow us to get that one plus one equals mm. three. Uh, and that's what good cultures do. You, you would have had to crack a few heads in that, though, wouldn't you? Uh, look, there was some... There was some, some, there challenges. Was some Yeah, there was some robust discussions at a yeah. whole range of levels. Uh, but the reality is, is it's ultimately about bringing people along. And then my personal view is... You know, it's like everything in life. It's three strikes and you've got to say, you know, what what's good for that person? Do you really want to be here from now on? Because mm. it can't be good for that person if you don't fit in that dynamic, that culture. But I, you know, if you look at corrective services, they wear a badge on their arm. They're very proud people. They do a great job. Uh, the Eagles footy club, they're all about uh, going forward. And I think you just sometimes need a framework and a spark to bring that out. Yeah. And, and I'd like to think that I helped in both cases doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and, and it's very rewarding work. Mm. One of the things that, that caught people's attention at the time was that you would 
not only focus on the idea of, of rehabilitation, but you'd go to the lengths of, of actually sitting in a cell with a prisoner and talking about how they were going, what they needed, what they wanted, yeah. what could be done better. How did yeah. that sit with some of the people who'd been in the system for a long time and thought that wasn't that wasn't what you should be doing? Oh, look, I think I, I, I think well, you know, there's that security aspect. I'm mm. the commissioner. Um, I, I didn't wear a uniform because mm-hmm. I felt, uh, you know, I was the commissioner, but I wasn't a prison officer. It's a bit like wearing an SAS uniform. You're not in the SAS. Um, and and you know, there's the whole community aspect, which is you know a whole lot of staff that work outside the wire. Um, so, look, some people were most probably worried about my security. Um, but I think from an example perspective, to be fair, you know, engaging with prisoners to motivate them to correct is what it's all about. That's the role. It's called corrective services for that reason. Um, and, you know, uh, using engaging with those prisoners is really important. So I suppose in some ways I found that satisfying but I'd like to think in some ways it was most probably also trying to just set the example. Mm. Were you surprised by some of the conversations you had with people who were in there behind bars? Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it did surprise me. But um, I think over the period of time I was there, you know, understanding how people got into the system was most yeah. probably eye-opening to me. And it sort of leads on to everything from early childhood, what happened in their teen years, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. I mean, there's no excuse for not obeying the law. I'm not suggesting that. But getting a greater understanding where some people came yep. from, uh, it, it just gave me a fuller awareness and it made me a bit more balanced yep. about my views on things. And as a commissioner, you do have to be balanced. Yeah. And I think it's a hard message to communicate to people sometimes, isn't it? If if someone's a, a victim of a, oh. let's say, a violent crime, people often react in a way that just says, "Lock them up, lock them up forever." And, you know, they're beyond rehabilitation. Just longer sentences, man. You know, they they go down that road without perhaps stopping breathing and taking on yeah, the complexity and, of the situation. And you know, the spectrum is you've, you know, yeah, it's very complex because mm. you know, the. The victims of you know uh, are right up in the forefront of your mind, mm. but right at the end, from a task focus perspective, what you're doing is correcting someone's behaviour. Yeah. So that that's the focus, and uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was rewarding, and uh, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hesitating on the word enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> rewarding, yeah. But it was I definitely it was back to serving again. Yeah. And and, and that's yeah. I suppose a. A theme there. Another and way some, that you've been some very very good people in yeah. the organisation. More unsung heroes. They're everywhere. I, I personally think that. Yeah. And don't get yeah. talked about a lot. And yeah. in my view, don't get thanked enough. Time is rapidly getting yes. away from us, James. We need to cover some more uh, chapters in your career as well, including uh, working with the War Memorial, um, the RSL, and the Fathering Project uh, as well. So plenty more to get through right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. 
Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Our special guest uh, is the West Australian of the Year uh, in 2019. He still holds that title, but only for a, a few more days uh, in James McMahon. I suppose, James, you will always be the 2019 West Australian of the Year, but we all have a new one uh, in a matter of days, uh, just to be a little bit pedantic. Um, one of the other things that you've gotten involved with uh, in more recent years, James, is the Fathering Project. Uh, why was that something that that drew you in? Look, it's very simple. Two two points. One, because of Professor Bruce Robinson. I'd met him at a function um, and I was just, you know, he the way he came across, I was really intrigued. Mm. And then when philosophically uh, that piece about fathering and the better father you are, the better uh, your children or potentially as a father figure other children um, grow up to be, I mean, that's about turning the tap off. That's mm. preventative mm. Um, rather than trying to fix an issue later on. Or even it's just self-motivating that someone who's already going along well gets that extra lift. And I think it's about a father being the best father he can be mm. or being a father figure. Um, so it's not about whether you've got children or not. It's actually – I often say it takes a village and it's a well-known thing to say. It takes a village to raise a child. And I think that's what got me – And I then went and set it up at uh, – or helped set it up at John 23rd, was the initial chairman there. Uh, but, you know, to see a group of dads talking around, uh, you know, after we heard, like, John Warsfold as a guest speaker having a few beers and pizzas, to see dads talking about fathering. And my 85-year-old dad said, geez, I wish that was around when I was raising you. I mean, it's just a wonderful program. It's going Australia-wide. It's been in AFL clubs – um, there's even uh, aspects of it going into the justice system uh, just by motivating fathers to be as good as they can, mm. um, to engage their children, daddy dates, um, you know, uh, and, and, and a very important program. So um, I'm proud to be an ambassador um, and I really enjoy what it's all about. And on a personal level, was it tough for you being a dad during those years when you were – in the SAS, uh, look. Just, give, just given the yeah, volume look, of time you're look, away, look. It, it, it is tough. It is tough. But I, I'll be really honest. My focus was elsewhere, and mm. and you know I knew that when I reflected. When I've reflected, but you know some people have that capacity. I've sort of got to focus on one to one thing at a time. Yeah. And so when you are on operations, you are on operations. But you'd realised. Uh, the importance of fatherhood when you got home yep. and, and how important it was. So, uh, and as I've said before, I'm, I'm lucky I've, I've had a, I've got a great wife who's, yeah. uh, who was there to, Another to play hero. both roles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are rapidly running out of yes. time. I just want to mention as well, you, you've been, uh, are on the board of St. John of God Healthcare, the Australian War Memorial as well. You're a trustee of the SAS Resources Fund Board. Uh, you've been part of an, an investment committee for the RSL here in WA, all these sorts of things. It, it seems like, um, you know, even though you go through these uh, different phases in your career, the, the, the lure of, of public service seems to, to draw you back. So, James, as you look ahead to whatever's coming in the years to come in your life, is there anything you have a burning ambition to be a part of um, in the future stages of your career? Look, you know, uh, yeah, I'll do what I've done previously um you know everything i'm doing i'm enjoying at the moment um i do enjoy serving um so that's important so all those extra 
extracurricular things, if you like. <laughs> I'm, I'm not suggesting you take any more on because no, you're clearly a busy no, man. <laughs> no, but I think I think it comes back to the essence um, of what we're talking about. I suppose this is a bit about me, but but actually that that aspect of service, I'm involved with those things because I I continue to I, I enjoy serving, but you get more than you give and. And as I said, when I became West Australian of the Year, um, you know, ultimately, this state is really built on that. It's our centre of gravity is our people, their willingness to serve. And as I said, as we come into the Celebrate WA weekend, which is a great time to reflect, let's remember all in our community that serve. The little acts of kindness, the big things that get done out there, Serving is our centre of gravity. Thank you so much for, for coming in and sharing your story. I feel like we've just scratched the surface, but uh, we could go on forever, but Tim, we better not. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I, I really enjoyed uh, doing this. And um, and everyone, let's have a great Celebrate WA weekend and, and reflect on all the good things that are in WA. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.